NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. The great cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel the gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast. On today's show, the world's greatest lock-in continues as we all try to find meaning in COVID and COVID in crickets. We're talking end-of-season awards, Smith's captaincy ban being over, on this day stuff, Roblinder 2's piracy scare, and we guess when the cricket's coming back. Australian cricket captain Aaron Finch is on the show for the first time, as is coach of the Australian cricket team, Justin Langer, thus proving that no one is doing anything, and we're all in this together. Keep your hashtag RCGC's coming in because... If there's one thing that's for sure, all of us have been social distancing for the rarest of units for our entire careers on the cricket field. This is all thanks to Budgie Smuggler, budgiesmuggler.com.au. My name is Ian Higgins and I'm self-isolating and social distancing at the same time in Sydney and Sam Perry joins me on the line. He's in Melbourne doing exactly the same thing. Pez, good evening to you, my dear friend. Oh, a very dear friend you are to me, he goes mm. as well in his season finale yes. show. And uh, right off the top, can I issue an apology and throw, well, let's just call her my wife under the bus when I say it's not COVID at all. It's not double V, it's COVID. And that's been proven to me by, well, secondhand hearsay, but mm. apparently someone, it was put to someone from the World Health Organization that it was COVID mm. based on what was said on this cast. Sure. And that was disproved quickly. So I apologize. When you, I was told by my wife. When you say, let's and, call um, her your so wife, her fault. Let's, call, let's call her my wife. What else, what else are we calling her? Tori. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a bit afraid of a bit afraid of rabbit holes of that joke, but um, <laughs> it's COVID. <laughs> All right, what a start, Pez. Let me put the first question to you this week. Please. And it comes from Adam Winter. He says, "Hi, boys. As we find ourselves in this global cricketing crisis, I've been left with only a selection of black caps highlights from the past ten to fifteen years. Upon watching this historical gold, I find myself not only analysing the game but also the graphics of the scoreboards. Reminiscing on these memories got me thinking about one of your KPIs: safety. Can scoreboards and the graphics of them be safe? I have frequently heard you boys touch on the safety of numbers on the boards, i.e. Watson 73 off 102 with Ponting 57 off 84. But can the graphics upon uh, which these numbers are displayed invoke safety on tragic viewers like ourselves? Personally, I found those from the 2013-14 season to be the safest I've seen so far. Any thoughts as to my sanity over this issue would be greatly received. P.S. I'm a 19-year-old first grader who studies at uni. 
so should have a bright future, but I can feel the endless pull of an overcast Saturday chasing 347 dragging me from my dreams. Quit and get massive. Cheers. Well, g'day, Adam. Uh, well, firstly, brother, um, if that's correct mm-hmm. and you're a 19-year-old first grader who studies at uni, yeah. then you are right to say your future should be bright. Mm-hmm. But frankly, there's nothing bright about the economy nothing. at the moment, and I'm concerned at the apparent lack of self-awareness of casually dropping that little status yeah. as well from you. 100%. You're a young man. Like, Congrats on where you're at, yeah. uh, but please stay humble yep. as well. There's plenty of 19-year-olds who played once who probably would like that time again. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have studied at uni as well. And he goes like, and on that note, he goes, I have to confess, like as I was considering this response yeah. to Adam, I searched Adam Winter on my cricket just to see did. which one team he played did, for. Yeah. 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 Zero records of Adam mm, Winter. That's interesting. That is um, interesting. Very concerning. But to the question. Well, he's, he's Kiwi. Uh, yeah, he's Kiwi like, guy. So do they have, what's, what's the, my lack of Kiwi cricket club knowledge is very, like it's embarrassingly low. I mean, we talked about what kind of balls they used last week and we got many angry responses back, which made me laugh out loud. But I don't – is my cricket – do they have that in NZ? It's probably a different platform. Good point. I mean, I looked up Adam Winter cricket as well. Yeah. Like, I didn't just use my sure. cricket on Google. Went, and it was in. also – I mean, mm-hmm. Win, Winter's not a good last name for, a, you know, SEO results. Always said that. Um, and I have – yeah, we've both always said that. Well, but let, let, let me answer the question. Like, like scoreboards, of course, they can confer safety. Yes. Anything can confer safety, mm-hmm. really. Like safety is anything that gives you that sense of mm-hmm. deep-seated, almost biological security from youth, which is not to be confused with biosecurity, <laughs> uh, which there are a few issues like that at the moment. You know, things like the smell of your dad's jumper in the early 90s when he embraces you or used to embrace yeah, you. specifically or, in the decade. say, you know – Exactly. Or Steve and Mark Wall, both on 100 plus not out at the SCG. Like, and there's ne- their names in those weird block letters in the old brutalist yep. digital SCG scoreboard. Mm-hmm. That sort of stuff. So, so mm-hmm. absolutely, Adam. Yeah. If get safety wherever you can. I mean, people usually get it from relationships with their family or close relationships with their friends or, or partners. You get mm-hmm. it from scoreboards, man. <laughs> Go for it. Whatever flicks your switch. I like as well. I mean, what, is, what this comes down to is something that you've always said, Pez, and this time actually being serious. And that, like, so he's 19 now. So 2013, he was, that's seven years ago, six, seven years ago. So he was 12, 13. I mean, that's just like right in the world house of the happiest cricketing days of your life when everything's pure and good and you've got hopes and dreams and they're all cricket related and everything's going to work out. And just the idea of being able to go outside and not have to fucking TikTok your home workout sped up. You know, that's what people, that's what people wanted. <laughs> that's, the, that's the happiest days of your life before we entered this dark sexual recession that people, that people, keep, oh, yeah. that people uh, keep writing how much is now. Well, that, that phrase really took off, didn't it? <laughs> you got yourself a little posse of, uh, of fans here, guys, who love your sex talk and your sexual recession talk. Yeah. And that's good. Um, because there's a recession, there's a comprehensive recession taking place from depression or even even greater if you watch Insiders today in Australia. Um, you know what else is safe? He goes, washing your hands, staying inside <laughs> and staying away from people generally. The pull-out method. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. Mate, I'll tell you when I felt fucking safe this week. Oh, yeah. It hasn't been a lot of it. Yeah. Um, Shane warns evisceration eviscer- of Scott Morrison online. Oh, I didn't and, see that. Um, what was that? I didn't see that. Oh, um, well, firstly, like Warren had been praising Morrison for his early press conferences, etc. And then when Morrison okay. did that one, I think it might have been a Tuesday night or something, where it was like, "Look, yeah. let me be clear: you can uh, you can go to the shops, but you also can't go to the shops. And um, retail stores can stay open, but please don't stay open. Haircuts can go for half an hour, mm-hmm. but not really so much, and yeah. um, that kind of malarkey." Yeah. And uh, 
Warren, Warren just came out and it was, you know, it was Warren flighted a couple up, then started pushing him back and then just put, you know, threw the straight one oh, in. Plum, got Coleman. him. Yep. He, he just gave it to him. Yeah, exa- well, I was just going to say that because, uh, like, like there are pro- professional political pundits dotted around the country, like, whose job it is to interrogate and skewer, mm-hmm. like, our political leaders. <laughs> and, Warren, like, and Warren kind of did that mm. as a bowler, like, better, better than any pundit. Mm. And he's managed to channel that through, like, to Twitter mm. with Morrison. He's got, he's got Morrison watchful. He's pushed him back. He's got him. Mm. Um... I think that there's heaps of confused language around this pandemic and we need leaders who can communicate clearly. Mm-hmm. The government could do worse than hire Warren mm. to front a massive campaign telling people to lock down and stay the fuck inside. Mm. He's done it at the MCG before when they were throwing shit at the English players. Oh, yeah. It's just that on a, high, <laughs> on a bigger scale. Come out with a yellow lid, get on TV, tell people to stay inside, watch what happens. There's some, there's, there, is, there is some sort of parallel physically between Scott Morrison and Daryl Cullinan. And just that, just that, just that, that square shoulders. Just, just the kind of just pudgy white guys, I guess. <laughs> yeah, good point. I mean, that's yeah. not. I mean, that's harsh to Daryl, friend of the show. I'm sure yeah. tunes in every week, but like, mm. also just how aggressive mm. that send off was. That when Warren got him with the flipper, I think we've. I'm not sure yeah. if we've spoken about this in the past, Pez, but like, um, we were watching Warren. <laughs> we were watching Warren highlights one day, you and I, and it was yeah. when Warren was bold, Cullen, and like Richie Benno, the ball before, says, oh, "I think that's the flipper." I think that's the one he shows him to get him next ball. Yeah. How fucking good yeah. are you at leg spin? <laughs> fucking oh, deliberately bowl bad balls to test match bowlers, uh, test match batters. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell. They were, I mean, that's what's forgotten in the story about Warren, like, oh, ball of the century mm. to Gadding. So, you know, his balls of the century were the ones where he was, like, confident enough at test level to deliberately get hit for four mm. because he knew that that was going to help him get a wicket. Mm. What the fuck is that level? <laughs> Anyway, that's fucking cheat level. This is not on the agenda. Warren put, <laughs> exactly. Warren put a cheat code in for like 15 years. Um, <laughs> hey, mate, I, I want to speak off the top. Now, we've got a big thing. This is, as you said, rightfully, so Pez, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll award you uh, first points for saying the right thing on the podcast, but this is the finale of this season, 2019-2020, um, the, the Southern Hemisphere summer. But we've got end-of-season end of awards coming up, Pez. Now, you've done a lot of hard work yeah. on this, so I think you're probably in the best position to talk about it and to, and to, to structure it. some votes or to, to ask for some votes uh, yes. from, from the people. Well, if you're hearing about this for the first time, this is, this is actually getting seriously big now. Mm. We announced this last week. There's been a, a shed load of goodwill from good people mm. for this. So for those who missed it, the great cricketer, is hosting a virtual end-of-season presentation mm-hmm. to help compensate for the 3,500 cricket clubs around Australia whose presentations have been cancelled by force, you know, owing to the pandemic, mm-hmm. which is a normal sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I, I just want to say at this point, we have, we've announced some special guests. You've seen them on our poster, mm-hmm. Stark, Elisa Healy, George Bailey, Cowan, you know, Justin Langer, mm-hmm. um, Dan Christian, yep. etc. cetera. Um, Zampa. Is in. Yep. Um, I can already. I can confirm now. There are some more mm. awaiting announcement, and uh, they're pretty big, mm. laughably big, mm. and um, I laugh like pretty every time. big in like the 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 Larry David kind pretty, of pretty pretty big pretty pretty <laughs> big. Um, Good. So you know how we like we enjoy the verbiage like to get around someone. He goes, I can't stress enough how around oh this some God. of the world's great cricketers yeah. are getting, and of course, once they're around, it all of us in turn will be around them in a circle, and we run around that circle. 100%. Um, but. 
to the listeners, we're presenting these awards and they're based on your stories from this season. So hear me clearly. Do you know someone who deserves nomination, for example, for rarest unit? Can you tell us that story? Email it to greycricketer at gmail.com or DM, DM it to us. If, if that person wins, that person will receive their gong, their acknowledgement, live streamed from Adam Zampa, who, of course, will be presenting the rarest unit award so. on the evening. Here's the full list of categories if you have stories for these. Best batting, best bowling, best overseas player, leading alpha, best rig, rarest unit, most frightening cricket dream, best circuit story, mustn't be libelous. Okay? They're the the categories. All right? So think of some of the others. Um, Yeah, go on. I I was just going to say, I I would suggest um, that people really lean into um, rarest unit because we've had heaps of best batting. And I don't really care if you hit 100 you know, off, yeah. off off sixty two overs. That's that's not best batting. I don't, I don't know unless who's you've read got like one award, arm or something. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point. And the guy who did write in with the one arm story, you know, you, you are a nominee mm. this year. Good knock. <laughs> well batted, good little player. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good little player. <laughs> Which player? The player with one arm. Yeah, good. Yeah, good stick. Good little player. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we're, we're running a little bit short on rarest units now. I know there's hundreds of rare units out there who listen to this. Nay, yeah, thousands. That's that's what I want. I want some good stories from those people. Uh, right in all your mm. friends, select your friends, and we'll get someone uh, a celebrity to read it out. So, just also look at the awards. Think of those yes. who haven't been announced yes. yet. The guests haven't been announced yet. Yes. Think of who we might have lined up to present some of those awards. Probably doesn't take much imagination. Yeah. Um, the, the, this live stream, if the internet holds up, mm-hmm. asterisks everywhere, um, takes place Thursday week. So that's the April the 9th, 8 p.m. Sydney, Melbourne time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I live in that bubble. Um, not that time means anything anymore no. uh, because of a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. So get those nominations in. In all seriousness, a lot of clubs are going through, you know, financial and social distress, but also if the internet holds up, this could be extremely funny because a lot of good people are getting around this. And, you know, we all deserve an end-of-season presentation. It's a very critical part of the circadian rhythm, he goes, mm-hmm. of a cricketer's cycle. They, they think they're not going to play next season. They go to the end-of-season presentation, don't win an award, have a few beers, and say, I'm going round again. <laughs> so we're actually doing cricketer service <laughs> if the internet holds up. <laughs> The show should just be called Caveats. Um, man, mm. I'm keeping some fucking weird hours at the moment, let me tell you. I don't, I don't, up, up is down, down is up. I don't know what day it is. This is the only thing that's keeping me together. And the cricket season for many people is the only thing holding you together. So get around us and we'll turn... We'll, yeah, this is, we're just going to repeat now. Hey, mate, should we get mm. Justin Langer on the, on the call? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Justin Langer coming up. Andrew, Andrew, I'm sorry, you've had several questions. Andrew, I'm sorry. Andrew, I know, but you don't run the press conference, okay? So I'm going to go to other questions of members of the of the, of the group. Catherine hasn't had a question. I'm happy to return to you, but let's just keep it civil. Andrew. Catherine. Okay, here goes. I'm just I'm just gonna do I haven't done this for a while, he goes, but I'm gonna run through these playing numbers because we can. Justin would know that we define cricketers by their numbers and nothing else. So here's some numbers to throw uh, at the audience. 105 (laughs) tests, 7,696 runs, a high score of 250. 
an average of 45.3, 23 tonnes, 30 50s, a higher strike rate at test level than Mark War, incidentally. 360 first-class matches, 28,382 <laughs> runs, a highest score there of 342, an average of 50.2, 86 tonnes, 110 50s, five first-class wickets too. Um, coaching stats are harder to come by, but we're talking to the man who's done the business with WA and is very much doing so with the Australian team. Um, that is until we were stuck down, uh, struck down by a global pandemic. Um, now, Justin's mm. request to come onto the show, we've been busy, but we finally allowed him on. Um, it's one of he's uh, one of Australia's best ever top order batsman, current men's national coach, Justin Langer, JL. If I can call you that, welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast. Finally, seriously, it's about time you guys invited me. I'm mean, the numbers like that. I thought I would have been on, I would have been a regular, but you know, I'm, I'm glad you finally got me. Thanks, guys. Really, it sounds very. Well, we had to get Rob Quiney on twice. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, look, Jay, look, there's obviously a lot going on in the world at the moment, obviously well beyond cricket, but uh, because this is an indulgent grade cricket podcast, let's start at the grade level. Um, now, you debuted for Australia before you were 18, is that right? Uh, so how quickly um, did you manage to get out of grade cricket as you were coming through the ranks? Mm. Oh, I loved grade cricket. I had my first ever game of grade cricket. I played with Dennis Silly, if you can believe that, and my first ball was against Terry Alderman, and Kim Hughes was at first slip. So um, I literally thought it was heaven, and I loved grade cricket right till my last... I think my last game of grade cricket was a club final, a club, club premiership, and uh, Scarborough Cricket Club, literally my second home for a very, very long time. Um, can you just... I mean, we sort of ask this of guys as well, like... I'm sure you've probably scored thousands of hundreds there as well, but like, what are your early memories more off the field from grade cricket when you were coming through as a youngster? You know, like, mm. Can you run us through the what's, the... what's the sheds looking like at Scarborough Cricket Club uh, at the end of a day's play? Oh, no question. Back in that day, Greg Shippard was the captain, I think. It's Peter Henderson, Dennis Silly, and I'm absolutely convinced. I wasn't very good when I was young. I played very young A-grade yeah. cricket, but... Right. I'm sure I only got selected because my girlfriend back then, um, who's now my wife, I've been going out with her since I was 14 years old, she used to turn up with a couple of her friends and sit on the hill every week. So I'm convinced that's the only reason I got selected. Are you, are you suggesting that Greg <laughs> Shippard and Dennis Lilly were, 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 were interested in your then 14-year-old girlfriend? Or? <laughs> 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 I remember um I remember when we spoke to uh Brennan Julian a number thing. of years my, ago. My, go on, my, go on. my wife just walked into the room and she got a hand and she goes, You are an idiot. But it's actually <laughs> true. That's why I got she look at her. She's looking at me going, You are a complete knob, but that, that, that's all right. <laughs> I probably am, but that, that that's why I'm absolutely sure I got I played so many A grade games at a younger age than I should have. <laughs> I remember um I remember Brendan Julian saying a very similar thing with his first uh, grade match. She was saying Dennis Lilly was there, Kim Hughes. It might have been like a, a, a first grade final or something. It was like, like 5,000 people there. Is this what like club cricket was like in sort of the, what would have been late 80s, early 90s when you're first coming through the grade sphere? Just like international stars decked everywhere and people coming to watch in the, in the Western Australian sun? 
Oh, well, yeah, we had about 500 in my first game at Florida Oval because Dennis and um, Dennis and Kim Hughes, and, and I still remember, because I was about 15 years old, and, and Dennis Lilly and Kim Hughes, it was like a war. And I was just, uh, mm. I thought, how good is this? Is this what it's all about? There's about 500 people there, but there's about 498 of them, the, the Langer family. So, uh, <laughs> so it's a pretty special moment, actually. I've got my two heroes going, gang, gangbusters. And I got my my family all thinking I'm a legend, even though I was, I was only there because of Sue. <laughs> JL, we're, we're conscious of your time, so we're just going to skip through your entire playing career where you scored all the runs that um, that I mentioned above. <laughs> I, I, I want to, if if it's, if it's okay, because there's a bit to talk about. Like to to fast forward to your to your coaching of the Australian side, um, particularly in relation to the the docker that's just come out. But I guess one thing that I was interested in asking you is like. Like culturally, and then in terms of attitude, like what was when you started coaching the Aussie side? Like, what was that team that you walked into, and how did it differ from the one you remembered being in as a player? Just in terms of the culture and the attitudes of the players. Oh, look, not much. Well, it depends at which stage. And I played my first Test match. I had Alan Border was my captain, but guys like David Boone, um, the Boar brothers, Craig McDermott. And they all seemed, you know, like hardcore professionals back then. And I guess, um, and, and maybe it's just because I was young going in there, but um, they were all hardcore. And, and times were very different back then. You know, have a, I think AB and Booney used to have six or seven stubbies every night and have ham and cheese toast sandwich and then get to bed at nine o'clock and back into it the next day. And they were, you know, I mean, they were some of the toughest, hardest cricketers I've ever played with and also some great, uh, friends and mentors over the way, so um, it's very different now. I mean, it's, it's full-time professionals. The guys are usually beating their legs or botox in their foreheads, or um, <laughs> you know, you know, they, they don't drink beer anymore. They, they might have a vodka lime and soda. They don't want to put their, their skinnies. Don't want to get you know too heightened. So um, times have certainly changed. But um, but look, in the end of the day, it hasn't. It hasn't. So we're still playing the game we love. Um, the boys are full-time professionals now. I mean, back in back in those days, we were, I was always working for Hartley Point and stockbrokers or you know, Bank West. So um, things have definitely changed, but it's a fantastic bunch of blokes who I'm working with now. There's no doubt about that. Mm. I was actually um, – actually, as, as it turned out, I was I just happened to be watching um, your uh, test debut. Um, this afternoon, Jail, on wonderful Roblinder 2's channel. Um, and I was just looking at, like – who was opening the bike? It was uh, Ambrose at his pomp, probably. Kenny Benjamin, um, Courtney Walsh, who, Ian Bishop. Ian Bishop. Um, yeah. yeah, that's right. And then, like, in the first innings, like, David Boone, like, broke his elbow or something, and then you got hit in the head, and, like, Keith Arthur and just, like, caught it short cover, and you got hit in the ribs, and then, like, Alan Border comes out to bat, and he's 37, Alan Border, and he walks out to bat with his, with his helmet with no grill, and he's just playing hook shots and stuff. And then, like, and then I thought, yeah, yeah, Colin de Gronholm opened the bowling for New Zealand at the SCG this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's classic. I remember at one of the breaks, it might have been a bit of drizzle around. I remember Booney had, a, you know, he had his bag in his mouth, and he sort of walked up to me. He said, "A young fella, Test cricket will never get tougher than this, son." And I thought mm. he was just being a good bloke, trying to make me feel better. But the truth is. After the years I played, I never played tougher test cricket. Those first few tests against the West Indies. Mm. I mean, Ian Bishop, that we know as the commentator now, 
He's about mm. six foot eight, built like Adonis, and mate, he bowled fast and he could swing the ball. So <laughs> pretty similar to Colin de Gronholm, I reckon. You know, very very <laughs> similar, but um, yeah, but just Colin's from somewhere in New Zealand, and um, yeah. Ian's from Trinidad, I think. Yeah. Speaking of toughness, um, JL, another guy that's uh, you know is unquestionably tough was Steve Waugh, and you've you've often said famously that you'd run through a brick wall for Steve Waugh. Um, Steve confirmed to us a story that was told to us a few like like last year that um, when his son Austin was playing a second grade match, he actually walked around the boundary sledging the opposition. That's Steve um, during a second <laughs> yeah. grade match, and, and he, he just said, you know, well, just a bit of friendly and parental advice is how he described it. Is that mm. is that the sort of um, behaviour you would be uh, advocating? <laughs> to all parents of club cricketers out there as a, as a national coach? Well, thankfully, I've got four daughters and none of them have been exposed. So one, one thing I do know, though, at netball, I mean, I know we talk about cricket here, but netball, I've never, some of the most disgraceful behaviour I've ever seen in my life comes at under nine netball. I mean, the, the coaches take it that serious and then, the you know, the, the crowd gets involved and there's... Oh, I've never seen... I usually get there in my cap on, on my sunnies and my coffee... But I've left there shaking my head at that, that many times. And if I was like, Targa, come on, mate, set the example. You did your whole life. <laughs> mate, lift. I was probably sort my, of bouncing around. Man, I, I, I remember oh, my old on, man when he, um, sorry, when my old man when I first started playing A-grade cricket, never smoked a I used to see was him walking around smoking durries because he was that nervous. And then later on in my career, he'd start, from the moment I walked out to bat, he'd start smoking cigars. I'm going, mate, what are you doing? Like, this is the greatest demotivator for a son of all time. Like, Tugger might abuse the opposition, but as my old man smoking durries or cigars, how can that be a motivator? Because, you know, last thing I want my old man is to keep smoking the whole time. So, um, anyway, the things you do when you're a dad, eh? Well, it's it's funny to say that JL because uh, I, I know we're actually you know obviously living through history at the moment and something quite dire both for sport and the world more broadly. But it has thrown up some interesting, uh, I, I guess, like behaviour on the internet, particularly from cricketers. We've seen a, a, a mm-hmm. footage from Ian Bell uh, playing against his son. He's got his son bowling at, um, toilet roll to him while he ah, hits a cover yeah. drive inside. Do yeah. you have anything similarly right. planned with you against your daughters online uh, in any kind of, um, you know, whatever whatever it might be? I mean, we saw Andrew Gaze dancing uh, on TikTok, you know, with with his daughters yeah. and a son as well. A- anything planned in the Langer household? Well, I've learned about TikTok just in in recent times. I still don't know what they're talking about, but they're talking about my eldest daughter turned 23 yesterday, so it wasn't her greatest day of all time, being mm. locked up at home, but... I'm trying. On Friday was one of the saddest days of my life because I've become addicted to golf, and now they've closed the golf courses. So yeah. I reckon I, I'm trying to talk my girls into starting to learn how to play golf in the backyard with me. So um, maybe not cricket. It's funny about Ian Bell too. I know we're getting off the subject. I used to think he was the biggest knob of all time, <laughs> and then he came and played for the Scorchers. Oh, I did. I used to think he was a complete nod but then he came and played for the Scorchers and he was an absolute ripping bloke. It was a bit like um, Andy Caddick. Andy Caddick was easily my most hated in the history of the game. He was a complete clown. Used to hate him and then I played with him at Somerset and I'm not sure I've met a better bloke in the game. So 
Um, it's amazing how it works out, isn't it? That's why we love cricket so much. Um, yeah, you meet some great people and great memories, of course, but just great friendships through it. Can I just jump in on that as well? Sorry, mm. he goes. Um, I mean, just just you, you mentioned Andy Caddick there, and we, we were talking about Robelinda earlier doing the Lord's work. I don't know, you know, CA probably can't have a view on that at the moment, but he did post <laughs> one of you um, getting dismissed by Andy Caddick today. Um, Russell Tiffin stitching you up at the SCG uh, 0203 in, in Sydney. So um, you've added some extra context to that as well. Can, can I flip that question though, JL, about people who you think are knobs that turned out to be good blokes? Is there anyone in cricket who kind of came back to you or other Aussie players and said, we just thought you guys were absolute knobs, but you're actually okay? <laughs> yeah, it happens all the time. Michael Vaughan, Michael Vaughan. <laughs> one of those men, Michael Vaughan, I used to hear a complete prick. I hate Michael Vaughan. And but we're not, we, had dinner, we had dinner one night, Gilly organised it, and now we've turned into besties. Like he And he used to say, I used to think you Aussies were so arrogant and you were this and that and that. And we had a good laugh. We had a glass of red wine. had a great time. He sent me a very nice text a few days ago, actually, about yeah. the test doco. He really enjoyed it. And he also, even even better, he organised for me to meet Alex Ferguson, have dinner at lunch with Alex Ferguson the day before the um, Old Trafford test match. So... Uh, uh, he's obviously come around with the Australians, and I've certainly come around with him, that's for sure. Can, can I just ask on that, uh, JL? So I keep butting in here, he goes, I'm sorry, but just with that um, Ferguson meeting, uh, I, I noticed yeah, you, you and Steve Waugh caught up with him, and then before the old Trafford test, you guys, I, I noticed on the docker, you were talking about families uh, to the players, and I know that that's something Alex Ferguson always talked about to his players as well at Man United. It was I like, think about your families out there and who you're representing. Is there any way that did, did he give you any advice about that the day before, or sort of say, look, that's what I used to say to players? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, not plagiarised. Stolen off the mark. More of an influence. Uh, he, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. What, he, he was seeing him as like for me as a you know, youngish coach. It was just an unbelievable experience that. And some of the stories he told us and some of the advice he gave us was, was absolute gold. And maybe, maybe about families, um, but he, he just, oh, it was like three of the best hours of my life, to be honest. Hmm. Are you talking about um, the, the test earlier, the, the documentary, uh, which you're sort of the central character in, I suppose, for lack of a better term. And, and the, I wonder, like, um, how it was having cameras in the dressing room. And was it sort of all all well and good for most part, except for what was undoubtedly the highlight of the entire series when you kicked the bin over at Headingley and then over the course of the next 45 <laughs> to a minute and a half, have to put the content slowly back into the bin? You know, the funniest thing about that, we, we were able to, I haven't actually watched the um, documentary for about six or seven months, but um, we were able to, if we, if we wanted to have things taken out or whatever, so, and I said, one mm. thing, you've got to take it out. And I kicked the bin. I said, what are you talking about? I said, did you see what you did next? I said, what do you mean what I did next? Nathan Lyon, bloody missed the ball. He's just singing like every world. I kicked the bin. What do you mean what happened next? I'll tell you what happened next. We bloody lost the lost the tent. That's what happened next. He goes, no, 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 mate. We picked up all the bottles. I said, what are you talking about? Picked up the bottles. He goes, you picked up all the stuff. You guys talk about elite humility. It's got to be in there. I'm going... Oh, okay. No worries. So we had to put we had to put a lot of faith into the the eighty of the, the crew, but um, mm. the the feedback's been overwhelmingly positive. We're really proud mm. of the way it's come out. Uh, it was very confronting watching it, and moments like that, 
And also, mm. my brother said to me yesterday, if one more person says to me, how much does your brother swear in the doco? <laughs> and that's the only thing that's worried me. I, I, I do have to swear. I did swear a bit, I think, particularly in the first few months in the job. I mean, on, on the topic of uh, like linguistics, JL, and, and talking about the test documentary, he, he, just a, a linguistic kind of question to you. Winning the ashes versus retaining the ashes, you know, does the word difference matter to you? Yeah, of course. Of course it does. Um, I, it was really bittersweet, to be honest, that last test match. You know, we had the, the probably went from the worst experience of our life, or our cricket life, or certainly one of them, and Ben Stokes um, played that incredible. But the other thing about Ben Stokes, he played that incredible innings, but the day before he bowled about 15 or 16 overs straight, and people forget mm. about that part of it. But to, they stole that test match, and they, you know, but Ben Stokes was incredible. So a shocking day then. Probably 10 days later, we retained the Ashes, which was just an awesome experience. I can't remember more fun in the change room. And then, of course, we lost that last test in at the Oval. So it was a bit of a bittersweet moment. That's Okay, JL, you know, it would be remiss of us not to ask for some kind of view on the current moment as well, which is like looking fairly dire, you know, as... um. Obviously, around the world, things are quite serious and and maybe put sport in a bit of perspective. But in, in many ways, that there might be a bit of a reckoning for sport over the next couple of years as well. I've seen, uh, you know, Dizzy come out and say sport, you know, cricket might become semi-professional for a little bit of time as the economy recovers. Um, like, like, what do you, what do you? I know it's early days, but like, what do you think about the argument that says you know sport and cricket may have to become something approaching semi-professional for a little while? Maybe it was a bit overblown with money anyway, and maybe returning it to something a little bit more grassroots is a good thing for fans. Have you had a chance to think about that kind of uh, idea? Oh, it's certainly been a sobering experience, no doubt about that. And I'm on the board of the West Coast Eagles Footy Club, and certainly seeing what's happening with the codes who are right in it at the moment, as I mentioned, it's a very sobering experience. Um, but then we go back. I mean, back in the day, as we talked about at the start of this interview, it was it was semi-professional, and it was still brilliant cricket. Mm. And most of our heroes came, certainly all my heroes came from that semi-professional era. Um, only time will tell what's going to happen. And um, But whatever way, the game will, I'm sure, the game will come back to health. People will keep loving the game. I hope, what is it they love about it, to be honest? Um, and you know, Australians will uh, will get back to loving the footy and the cricket. And um, But at the moment, it's a really, it's a very, very tough time for a lot of people. Nice one, Jill. I don't, I don't know it is a sobering one to end on, but one probably... Um, people enjoy or, or get something out of hearing as well. But uh, thanks so much for just being so patient with us, um, you know, asking you onto the show. I know we've had to wait 116 episodes before thinking of uh, getting you on. But so, I'm oh, sorry if that was a little bit rude, but the invitation's come and uh, you've delivered as we expected. Thanks, <laughs> hey, guys. I, I, honestly, I can't wait to be invited back. Hopefully, it's about 116 days later. <laughs> All right, cheers, JL. Nice one, mate. <laughs> Yeah, a bit of a, a shock move. Malenko coming in at three, was he? Uh, no, no, he did last game too, didn't he? I'm sure he did. No, I didn't see that guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was more cricket, too. All right, here goes. This bloke is one of the best exponents of short-form cricket around the world. We revel in his in the brutality of his hitting, which is cleaner nice. than an OCD sufferer's door handle at the minute. Uh, he probably <laughs> holds the record for the most 
DMs not responded to with TJC as well. So he's very much been playing hard to get uh, for a while, which in turn causes us to respect him more. Uh, it's funny yep. how that works, a paradox. Yep. Uh, it's Australia's white ball captain, Aaron Finch. Finchy, if I can call you that, welcome finally to the TJC podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sorry about all the uh, DMs straight through to the keeper. <laughs> Uh, Look, I just want to start off by saying I I saw a very um, concerning clip on your Instagram today um, just of you bouncing a golf ball off the wall to yourself sort of a dozen times but gave me the impression of being going on for quite a a while, catching the ball with either hand. Uh, Kind of reminded me of Steve McQueen in The Great Escape doing the same thing Mm -hmm. with a baseball, but he was literally in prison um, before tunneling out. (laughs) Like, what's what's life like in the Finch household uh, at the moment with this, uh, you know, pandemic? Well, I'm still married, so you can tick <laughs> yeah. that off after yeah. after ten days or so. Nice. Uh, it's been pretty relaxed, to be honest. We've had um, just a, I've probably done more fitness work this week than I have in the last five years combined. Actually, <laughs> just, just running around the Maribyrnong River and yeah. um, a few circuits at home, yeah. a bit of catching, just trying to keep the hand-eye coordination going. But yeah. apart from that, it's been I've I've been on the couch a bit. Amy, she's spending a bit of time up in up in the other room. Um, watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills from, from season one. So I think we've got seven and a half seasons to go. So I haven't ventured up there yet to to get involved in that. But it's, it's been it's been okay. You, you say you say think you say, you say think seven and a half seasons like you don't know there's exactly yeah. eight and a half seasons of yeah. Real Housewives. Um, I, I want to know if it's you like what's the what's the chat like on the WhatsApp groups and between the boys? Is much banter flying around? You know, like is, is anyone actually training? Like, or is everyone just literally just trying to find people to feed them balls in a ball machine? Well, everyone everyone's uh, training away in their own way. I think Paddy Cummins, mm-hmm. he's got a farm south of Sydney, so yeah, he's been bragging on the group about how much dirt he's been moving. Pretty sure by excavator, not by hand. Um, <laughs> he, he's never done a hard or a day of labour in his life. So, no. um, apart from that, there's there's a couple of different groups. There's there's the Australian Players Group, um, which oh, is from the last tour in South Africa, which is a, a fair fair bit of banter, which is nice. Then there's mm-hmm. the one with all the coaches and staff and, oh, yeah. and administrators from back home, which is basically just the messaging getting out there, yeah. uh, all the correct messaging, and then. JL started one the other day with some training motivations and things like that. So as soon as as soon as someone like Travis Head pops up on that with with something that he's doing, he tends to just get slammed by David Warner and Tim Payne um, and about doing things when it's easy and um, doing it in the sunshine in Adelaide when Payne's doing it in five degrees in the at the foothills of, of Mount Wellington in Hobart. So uh, there's been some good banter going on. Um, the Vicks boys probably bit more banter than than anyone else so uh, in terms uh, of quantity mm-hmm. uh, just, uh, just sort of got me interested in the whatsapp politics of like the in, mm-hmm. like introductions and exits from groups like there's australian players group based on the last tour so is it mm-hmm. how, how does some like do people sort of self-exit those groups mm-hmm. if they say yeah, you, you know disappointingly out. don't get selected or retire in Siddle's case or what and do they get pushed out the door <laughs> so the one from South Africa was just a playing group from there, but that's that's now turned into the Australian contracted players oh. with all the staff, um, okay. office staff as well, like for, who have direct direct contact with the cricket team and and are on trying to trying to forward think and, and stuff like that. Um, no, it's generally generally sacked by the manager um, uh. once the team's been out. So if if you haven't if you haven't heard the 
heard the team or you haven't received a call and you get a notification that says you've been removed from the Australian, from the South African group, pretty sure that you're oh. not going to be in the next tour. Fuck, so you, you find, <laughs> you, you just get dumped from the WhatsApp group before you get told oh, that you're not selected. Yeah, late. fair enough. Well, that's, that's, yeah, no, that's, that's 2020. That's certainly not the case. Well, no, we're going to come on to um, your interactions with Fox Sports later. That won't be a Fox Sports article uh, headline just yet. But um, can, can, can I just ask as well, like on a more serious note, it's proving it's been, most people have sort of said it's been decent timing for the Australian cricket team, uh, this global pandemic that is, um, for now. Uh, but there has been a bit of a, so you guys, you guys probably are enjoying a break at the moment, but there's been a bit of a chat about the broader impact of sport. Um, and also some stuff about guys like literally needing to look after their men- like the mental health of players, some of whom living on their own. Like, like ha- how are most of the guys doing? Do you think? And do you think there is much trepidation about what it could mean for for cricket down the track and professionalism? Yeah, I think that it's obviously an unfortunate situation uh, worldwide, no doubt, and, and it's tragic what's happened um, in terms of just purely based on Australian cricket. I think, like you said, not having a huge amount of of content over the next four or five months. Obviously, if you take out IPL and things like that, um, mm. which which isn't a part of the directly part of the Australian calendar, um, there was two ODIs, three T20s against New Zealand, two tests against Bangladesh, and then some games against uh, England, T20s in one day. So there's there's not a huge amount of content. So, but no doubt that the the financial implications will, will come as big business have, have found some. some um, yeah, I guess it will find that out down the track, and, and it'll be, it'll it's it's tough in all sports, no doubt. What the AFL, NRL, um, soccer, basketball, what what they've all gone through is, is bloody brutal. Um, but at the end of the day, as a player, we're in a we're in an incredibly fortunate situation to to play a sport and do something that we absolutely love for a living. So. Um, the messaging of staying at home and and not congregating at beaches like idiots um, mm. is is a pretty pretty decent one, I think. Mm. Well, just 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 uh, sort of planning for the future as well. You'd have seen uh, Finchy uh, Fox Sports put their predicted 2023 <laughs> World Cup Australian team out on social media the other day. Um, you, you you've been left out of it. Uh, they've put in mm, yeah. uh, Ryan's brother Josh Philippe uh, in there opening the batting. Um, if you know if, if things get back to normal pretty soon in the next year or two, you'll either have the second or third third most hundreds for ODI cricket in Australian cricket history. Um, are you happy to announce your retirement on the show today? Mm. <laughs> Certainly not, mate. That's um, that that was caught me by surprise. Yeah, I bet. Um, I, I'm not sure whether you've spoken to JL yet or not. Have you? Oh, we we, we have. Yeah, we can't really say, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so me me not being a selector and JL being the head coach and selector, maybe maybe he's told you guys something that he hasn't spoken to me about either. I was going to say, but it did like, take yeah. me by surprise. I, I thought I thought it was. Um, I, I thought I'd been in decent form, um, mm, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, well, I was just going to ask, like, like, how devastating is it to know that an intern at Fox Sports would deliberately leave you out to get those clicks, <laughs> only for you to react to it, thus resulting in a rare win for Fox Sports in this very dark media environment? Well, I, I sort of thought about it afterwards, and, and as you know, I did the the last or the final series of the Big Bash commentating for Fox Sports, That's right. and, mm. and, and maybe it's been a strategic move by them that, that I just slide in and take Mark Howard's spot as, as the anchor. <laughs> Of Fox Sports and Fox Cricket, probably taken over footy as well. So um, maybe it's been a strategic play by them to try and force my hand to to retire early and, and slip into that chair. 
Mm. Could you, we've, been, we've been talking. Uh, we've been talking a lot about um, you know the 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 Amazon documentary, the test, and um, you played a pretty central role in that as well. You obviously, you, you had your test taboo. Um, you know, you played over there in the UAE and and then back in Australia as well in an Indian series. And we're just sort of um, reminded about um, you know, or, or what what would you preferred to have happened? You know, play against Pakistan in the UAE. You know, a face. You know, uh, Muhammad Abbas over there, or would you preferred to have played them last summer? You know, the Adelaide over when he was half fit and Dave Warner hit the most runs ever by an Australian and also on the same wicket that Yassir Shah hit 100. <laughs> Mate, I, I, I'm incredibly proud to have played five test matches uh, to date, I must say, to date. To date. Uh, I've still, still got some hope that I can get in there before my career is finished again, but them, them chances are, are reasonably slim at this stage, but you never know. Mm. Um Oh, regardless of, of where you play, you've got to play well. And Davey was in the form of his life last summer, so mm. um, the, the wickets obviously didn't spin very much, and it was and it was a part of a part of a, a top order dominant series. So, um, but I, I certainly have my chances. I had the best best spot to bat in the subcontinent, which is at the top of the order when the ball traditionally, um, well, when it's at its hardest, and it's traditionally the best time to bat. Um, once it, once the ball gets older and it starts spinning and reverse swing, it can be difficult as a middle order player. So, uh, yeah, I, I had a good crack at it. Obviously, you're wise enough not to make any excuses about that there. But you've got to be what you've got to be sort of facing Boomer in Perth, and then the next year watching mm. Warner face, you know, his ear and stuff, and go, "Come on, <laughs> come on." Well, also, also, I reckon, I reckon as well, because like, because um, obviously New Zealand out here, and we've made some Colin de Grand home jokes and stuff. Mm. But you actually um, had that that game where you were opening the bang with Ryan Carter as a Blacktown when you guys hit like five hundred, yep. and, yep. and and uh, the Kiwis are like, nah, this wicket's a bit too flat. <laughs> that could have been well, that could, that could have been a test too match. Dangerous. Too mm. dangerous. Jeez, it was a good twenty-eight. Bloody dangerous. Mm. That's, that's, that's the most difficult wicket I've ever batted on. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think what they what they got at was we were playing on a wicket that it was a bit tacky, so it seemed and spun in the first session of the game, and then it went pretty flat and bounced about ankle height. And they right. said, "Well, we're facing Johnson and Harris, yeah. um, potentially Stark as well. I can't remember the exact attack at the time at the mm. Gabba in a week's time. The ball's not mm. going to be bouncing at our ankles at the Gabba, so." <laughs> um, you guys bat as long as you want, um, but we're not going to bat. bat no. Which that's that's the dream as a player, to be honest. Oh. Full match payment, get yeah. the bat. Bang <laughs> <field>. <laughs> <laughs> on on the on the flip side, Finchy, obviously one one of the. Well, it's, it's not a funny moment watching you get out, but there's a moment where you actually get caught in the sheds, you know, saying um, "fuck," getting out and stuff like um, coming back into the sheds. Like, did you? Did you know the camera was there? Was that a strange experience, like having a proper you know, dressing room blow up and all the politics that that involves, like making sure people hear that you swear loud, and loud enough so that they know that you care and stuff? If they know you're disappointed, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> the, the, that video is cut off way too short because it was, it was... I remember exactly where it was. It was at Durham. Um, we're obviously under the pump. We haven't been playing well. I got 100, and then the very next ball I got out, and I was, I was just really shitty at myself because it was a mental error more than anything. I was just... I didn't. I wasn't concentrating. I was, I was still a bit caught up in the moment of getting a hundred. So, um, but I walked in, and I remember the the doors open. And after a while, you didn't notice that that Doc, the cameraman, was there at all. He was he was very sneaky. He was in he was in unusual positions. 
and I've I've let out I've started my spray and then launched my bat straight across the room. <laughs> and, and, and this is my favourite bat. This is the one that I've I've absolutely repaired and and it's I'm like this is my number one. I'm holding on to this forever. I've launched my bat across the room. It's hit the edge of an old wooden locker, um, <laughs> right on the, the back edge of the bat, taking a massive chunk. The bat's gone at a right angle, and and missed, missed the cameraman docked by millimeters, just over his head, and he's ducking and diving out of the way. So that would have been great footage to see. Oh, you on, don't get coming straight at him, and it, oh. yeah, got that, that got cut. So mm. that was that's a part of the game. The, but the funniest blow-ups of anyone are probably Sean Marsh. Um, yeah. Don't know if, what you've heard about Sean's blow-ups, but he, he he refers to himself in the third person a lot. Sean. <laughs> um, or or um, So, and there'll be there'll be silence for fifteen minutes, and then and then you'll just hear a spray at himself again while he's sitting sitting over in the corner watching it up on TV. They'll put a replay up, and he'll he'll have a good old-fashioned spray at himself. Again. <laughs> I mean, the, the other one that I sort of took note of or just raised an eyebrow at was, uh, and you weren't there, but um, Edge Baston abroad uh, gets Warner for the first time. Um, mm. Warner doesn't know what's about to come, I guess, but he walks back into the change room and it's just sort of strange remonstration, does he? He actually, like, speaks in a full sentence while yelling. Like, mm. he says, I've been practicing that shot every day at training, which is a strange... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, uh, yeah. club cricketers around the world, it's, 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 a, it's a sort of thing that sounds like designed to be heard by everybody. Like, oh, it's a bit of an explanation, but a blow up at the same time. Mm. It just seemed a bit off to me. No, that's, that's generally how most players blow up. It, it's, it's just reassuring to yourself that you, you've been doing this. Like, mm. you know what you're doing. You've just, you've just absolutely screwed it up. Um, mm. But you also need to know that you've been training really hard. <laughs> mm. 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 Oh, no, well, it's a deep dive into blow-ups uh, with the Australian white ball <laughs> captain. I mean, Any time, yeah. Take your time, take, take the best you can with this time. Um, he goes, that's all from me. Anything at your end? Yeah, mm. not all from me, mate. Yep. Yeah. Finchie, thanks so much for joining us uh, after all this time. I'm sure it was one of the um, toughest interviews you've done and uh, appreciate you joining mm-hmm. us on our end-of-season uh, interview as well, mate. Uh, all the best for when cricket ever returns. Thank you very much, boys. Pleasure. Okay, here goes. Time to talk about our great friends at Budgie Smuggler. And we're going to do it via the medium, as we did last week of an Ask TGC. This one comes in from Dougald okay. Graham. I think we've heard from Dougald yes. before. Yeah, recently as well. Yeah. Um, so he's got another question for us, and we liked it. He says, In 2014, my girlfriend, now fiancé, bought me a pair of Budgie Smugglers for Valentine's Day. This pair of Budgie Smugglers was unique in that it had a picture of my girlfriend, now fiancé's, face on the crotch portion of the swimwear. After presenting the budgie smugglers to me, she began to tell me of the effort involved in procuring them. According to her, she had had to strongly pr- persuade budgie smuggler to manufacture this particular set as, at the time, they only fulfilled bulk orders of custom smugglers. She apparently managed to do this all within a four-day turnaround. My question to you is this. Has my girlfriend, now fiancé, inadvertently performed a premeditated offering of budgie smuggler and TGC in realising the potential for the custom smuggler, God knows she offered me. P.S. I hate Valentine's Day. Kind regards, <laughs> Dougald Graham. Pez, the answer is yes. And you can get your customer smugglers at budgiesmuggler.com.au. Should we keep it rolling, Pez? Sure.
Might as well just keep it rolling. Go straight into hashtag AskTGC, of which so many good ones have come in and we appreciate it. And don't stop them from coming in because, you know, we will revisit them. Just uh, if you're going to send them in via email, just throw the hashtag AskTGC. If you're doing it via DM, the same method, please. Uh, but also, as Pez spoke earlier, those uh, end-of-season awards, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. So get in nominations and uh, we'll do some stuff. Um, uh, Pez, this one comes in from uh, Scott, who says, Hey, boys, thanks for keeping the podcast rolling through these weird times. My girlfriend has recently bought a new face cream, and it smells just like linseed oil. <laughs> Kissing her brings back <laughs> memories of religiously oiling and knocking in a fresh bat at the start of the season. No matter how hard I try to block thoughts of cricket from my mind, when she wears it, they come flooding back every time. My mind is all at sea, defending like Warner against Broad in the Ashes. Do you have any suggestions as to how I can solve this problem? And what does it say about me, given I haven't played competitive cricket for almost a decade? Also, should I tell her she smells like a cricket bat? (laughs) (laughs) My instincts say no, but I'm open to arguments to the contrary. Finally, should I be grateful I can smell it, given poor sense of smell is apparently a symptom of coronavirus? Ah, very good, Scott. Uh, very good. It's always jarring when the funniest answer to the question is written in the question. It's the question, <laughs> you know? yeah. The question but, is um, the... Look, I, you know, I think a lot of this depends on how long Scott's been with his girlfriend. Um, sure. And all just to be really clear, like there may be a small group for whom the smell of a cricket bat is quite arousing. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's I know not, I'm one. That's, okay. But I'm guessing or that's Or Chopkin not... Cologne is... This is... That's what she's wearing. She's wearing Reek Chopkin Cologne. Without but hitting them. Uh, I do think I think you do need to tell her Scott and here's the thing like be honest be vulnerable explain what cricket means to you explain what kissing her means to you you know that when you kiss her the smell of linseed oil triggers traumatic memories you know she'll say what's linseed oil she says deal with it yeah then probably calmly exit the relationship um (laughs) calmly exit the relationship she's on a plane (laughs) follow the exits Calmly, don't take your possessions with you. Respectfully exit the relationship if she says deal with it. Deal with the. I don't care if you experience traumatic memories of cricket bats when you kiss me. Um, or on the other hand, understand that many advanced moisturisers are packed with meadow foam, foam seed oil and linseed ex- yes. extract, a natural source of omega three fatty acids, to lock in yes. moisture, plump skin, and ward off the appearance of face fine lines. So it's probably good for her face. I need, I need to see your Google search history from today. <laughs> Real, I really do need that. I typed in linseed oil moisturiser just to see if anything. <laughs> there was one moisturiser that said linseed oil in it. I don't know. Apparently it's good for your face, but it, it, that is a, the idea yeah. that, of, of, of your girlfriend's face smelling like a cricket bat mm. is um, tickles. Could you, like, touch her face as you're kissing and say, what's this, 210? Feels like two eleven. Mm. What? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Excuse me. Pardon, oh, sir. Please leave the store. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, okay. Uh, on to the next one. Here goes. Go to Johnny. Yeah. Go to Johnny. Johnny, Johnny Ogilvy. Okay, Johnny. Uh, mm. Asked you say hi, boys. I recently attended. Oh, I like this one actually. I recently attended mm. the thirtieth birthday of my boss's fiance. In attendance were a number of clients, including one with whom I've had a great deal of trouble being in the same room as. 
This is due to our differing opinions on many social issues, highlighted best when he referred to Israel Folau as the smartest man in Australia <laughs> when he posted his religious hatred, defending Jenna Reinhardt and co for not donating to the bushfire appeal on the basis that they can do whatever the fuck they want with their money, and defending Harvey Weinstein because some of those women probably wanted to sleep with him. Oh, my God. He also frequently makes claims about his cricketing career, which he revived after an 18-year hiatus and a hefty donation to his club. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. I like the idea you have to donate to your club to play. Anyway, um, um, and has seen him toiling away in the lower grades, much to his chagrin and my amusement. Anyway, at the party yesterday, whenever he tried to uh, tried being confrontational or political, I'd respond with a no one cares about your hard-fought 25 off 90. <laughs> well, why don't you tell them about how you bat eight and don't bowl in third grade? Nice. What a strange thing that would be to hear at a dinner party. Imagine if you saw someone else weird. answer that to someone else. You'd lose your mind. Mm. Anyway, he seemed to take it in his stride, so I kept it up. I departed the party early, and when I saw my boss the next day, he told me the client in question had had a full breakdown at the after party, revealing he has broken up with his girlfriend, who was also his employee, and the reason he has put so much effort into his cricket to the point of practicing fielding drills at the gym <laughs> is because he saw it as a welcome distraction. Despite my dislike of the bloke, I never like to see anyone upset and I'm finding myself wondering if I'm partly to blame for this breakdown by ridiculing his source of enjoyment and sending him down this spiral. My question, where to from here? Do I offer to go down and watch him play, provided he hasn't been dropped slash COVID-19 hasn't cancelled all the grades? It has. Do I pump up his tyres to new people, claiming he is a solid middle-order batsman averaging 30-odd, 22? Do I offer to go on the circuit with him, despite the fact I can't imagine his thoughts on politics and life in general will appeal to women of any background? background in any state bit stumped as to what to do as while i don't harbor any hatred for the bloke i can barely be in the same room as him would love any help love the cast keep up the good work ps have you ever tried to get freddie flint off on the cast feel like he'd be class <laughs> there you go pez there's some work for you next mm. week flint off please okay pez um the the uh my part of this question comes in with this bloke um the guy who johnny's talking about um, was defending Harvey Weinstein because mm. some of those women probably wanted to sleep mm. with him. Go down to uh, two paragraphs uh, when he's broken up with his girlfriend, who was also his employee. Not quite sure about that. Mm. Mm, not, quite, not quite sure. Mm. Um, there was the 25 of 90. Yep, that was in there as well. Um, oh, yeah, fielding drills at the gym. If I see anyone at the gym... With some, you know, with some, with some five-pound dumbbells, mm. doing some fucking long barrier, or you're doing a tea drill with a punching bag, <laughs> or you're doing you're doing nicks and pulls over at the squat rack. Get the fuck out of my gym. A long barrier with five-pound dumbbells is basically just a lunge, isn't it? But you're just turning your head to the right. Okay, right? I'll allow the long barrier then. Oh, no, I kind of like point. it. Just... It's a good point. It's actually a good point. I'm seeing, I'm seeing this. I'm easily turned, and I've seen this guy's way of life now. Um, Johnny, you don't need this guy in your life. He's toxic, and you don't need to be friends with people yeah. who are clearly um, um, toxic. You don't need those people in your life. I know everyone is doing it tough at the moment, um, but you don't need to bring yourself down by being around this idiot. Yeah, and, um, and also, Johnny, so, yeah. you're not to blame. Which was your question? He's to blame. You're merely the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, and we mentioned yeah. Warren Cullen in the other, like earlier on in the show, when Warren yep. got Cullinan out, it wasn't Ian Healy's fault that Cullinan lost it. Uh, Might have been. It, it, in this case, you are Healy. Uh, it was a cumul- <laughs> you know, sledging him. 
It was a cumulative effect of a technique that failed to aggress key components of spin. Like, AKA, this guy's abhorrent social and political blind spots. You're Ian Healy. He's Daryl Cullinan. Ian Healy didn't take it upon himself to rebuild Cullinan by circuiting with him or, 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 or whatever or talking him up to other people. Far from it. Both parties were adhering to the sad and questionable dog-eat-dog philosophy that is the scourge of many men in Western sure. society, and Cullinan died by the sword, as did this bloke. Flintoff's on the show next week. <laughs> There's no show next week. <laughs> There's no show next week. Which is a shame, otherwise we would have definitely yeah. got him. I uh, appreciate, appreciate, appreciate the question, Johnny. Uh, James Campbell writes in, he says, Dear TGC, this current bout of self-isolation reminiscent of many Saturdays spent at Fine Leg has left me pondering some of life's big questions. I'm in need of your assistance for, for one such question. Last season, I copped a mention in a somewhat controversial Fox Sports News article. The closest any of my non-cricket social circles came to caring about my usually excuse not to hang out with them. In this article, I am labelled a veteran seamer at the then age of 26. My question is this, should I A, take it for the compliment I imagine was intended for years of service at a club that is historically poor at player retention? Pez is an example of this. Or B, come to the realisation that my social capital has depreciated to that of a 38-year-old divorced father of three hanging around the club, grasping for the feeling of better days gone by, quick cricket and get big thoughts. Cheers, doyens, Jimmy Campbell. Love the detail. I uh, be. Let's go. Let's go into the. Let's go into yeah. the article in question, Pez. You know what he's talking about. Yeah, this is this is um this is an article written about the experience of playing against David Warner, who was then playing club mm. cricket, and it was a polarizing piece. So probably you know technically speaking, fit right into the bill of Fox Sports, which is yep. you know probably probably shouldn't kick a dog when it's down uh, at the moment. But um, there's good people know, who work at Fox as well. But yeah. Fox as well. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. it got a lot of clicks and was probably accurate, to be fair. Uh, just, um, yeah, some people, you know, t- took a different view of it. And this G- Jimmy Campbell, who, by the way, very good bowler for the North Sydney Cricket Club. Uh, yeah, Very mate. good bowler. Uh, he's he's probably the fastest bowler I've faced. He'd be up there. Right. Um, there you go. Wait, hasn't he written uh, humbly about himself? How strange. I mean, this is Jimmy Campbell. So you're saying he's very, very fast bowler, which I know him to be as well. Mm-hmm. And he can use semicolons. As he does in this as well. That's I'm pretty. Uh, well, he's probably me. using the software that I get every time I go into a YouTube clip. Uh, Grammarly. This is not. This is not sponsored because the advertising industry is completely combusted. Uh, <laughs> we're we're actually losing money you. by doing this. <laughs> Somehow in isolation, we're losing money yeah. by doing this show. But that's the. <laughs> let's, let's be clear. Grammarly are not fucking sponsoring the oh, great God, cricketer no. podcast. Budgie Smuggler yeah, are. Yeah, no one's yeah. fucking sponsoring us except for Budgie Smuggler. Mm, for now. Um, anyway, yeah. So that's um, that's a joke that's done to death. But yeah, that's what he's. That's, that's, that's what Jimmy's done. Well, I, think I remember. Um, can I just say, on, like, sorry, just to, to Jimmy's question, like, here's the thing: like, by all societal standards, Jimmy, you're very young, twenty six, world ahead of you, literally in the first quarter of your life with medicines mm. and shit. Um, mm-hmm. But in great cricket terms, you're on the downward slide, brother. Yeah, lots of people will think you're old, and you know you're not like super old, but twenty six. I've played at clubs where I've been 26 and been like the second oldest player at the club. I can only imagine yeah, how young guys are now. And just think yeah. of the cost of living pre- pressures after this pandemic. Great cricket's mm-hmm. going to be played by 16-year-olds. His dad taken to the game. They're still living at home. Um, mm. Playing in North Sydney there. Good bowler, though, I have here as a final dot point. Jimmy Campbell. <laughs> he's a great bowler. Yeah. He's, um, 
I think he's quick as what he. I was just talking about Jimmy now, who's just written in. But I feel like he. Um, <laughs> I played a. I played a game against him. It was. Um, oh, I feel weird talking about it now, but yeah, yeah no, he's good. He's good. <laughs> he's good. Well, what a way to finish the show, Pez. Is there anything else? Any other business? Uh, we should probably thank some people. Other than thanks, so can I just issue a first thanks um, to somebody that people don't see on this podcast, but has been um, an enormous help all season um, and Thank done you, it mate. gratis as well. No, not you. You haven't done it gratis. But um, Jared <laughs> Biviano, he does the podcast art for TGC and he's done a yeah. whole bunch of other graphic design as well every single week. All those little promos that good you see uh, are done by Jared. Well, he is a good little player. He plays first grade too for Sutherland. We only associate with people who are better than us at mm. cricket. Um uh, and yep. you can follow him on Instagram at the fifth creative, but um, really, uh, yeah, very, very appreciative for his work. And every time we text him um, with very little notice, he always comes back really quickly with excellent stuff that we, um, yeah, appreciate greatly. Thanking Diamantina Podcast Network for their studio this year as well. All the guests uh, who came on, um, even just for the season as well. Anyone who was involved in our live shows, who came to our live shows, Channel 7, um, <coughs> Our producers there, Tara and Marcus, excellent. Um, and can I just say, Higos, as well, we will have news on our new venture soon through the Australian winter, the English summer. Um, we are doing something where we've got some, we've got a pretty, an idea that we're very excited about. Um, but obviously, this pandemic has hit us hard like it has everybody. Uh, we're very grateful to still be able to do what we're doing. Uh, but um, we've got we've got an idea that we're pretty excited by and um, look forward to sharing news about that with you when the time is right. But before then, we're going to do our end-of-season presentation, which could be absolutely anything. Um, actually, look out for TGC on in the media this week <laughs> and next week uh, as people get around the presentation in a circle running around it. You know. As, as you know, <clears throat> you don't speak for me. True, um, but um, I, I agree with um, I agree with all those things, mate. Very, very well said, and I won't uh, I won't try to better you. But um, yeah, thank you to everyone who's listened. What a fucking what a summer this has been, yeah. man! It's it's unbelievable how long it's been, mm. and it's been amazing. And everyone's been mm. so good to us. Uh, I'm talking specifically about the people who listen to the show every week, and people who watch the show, yeah. and people who came to the show, all that stuff. And I can't believe it's ended with a fucking global pandemic yeah. that's ruined everything. Yeah. <laughs> but you know. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Stay safe out there, people. Uh, Ian Higgins here, signing off with Sam Perry, and we'll speak to you guys very, very soon. Cheers.